shaking like crazy this morning. It's driving me insane. I mean, I know it's... Huh? <laughs> That's a very good point. But uh, just a hair, just a hair. See, whatever happened to the ignition stage crew that's supposed to do all this? Just kidding. God's timing, that's right. Am I even on? No, well, we can all hear you. Hello? Ooh, turn me down now. That's why, boy, that is so hollow and so bad. You know, ever since, well, I won't even get into that, but there is, this has been the case now for about two and a half weeks, and there was a very specific moment where it did it. Am I ringing now? Can you can you all hear me? Yep. Okay. Because yeah, the Christmas tree can hear me really well. Um, although I could probably point it this way too. There. How is that? All right. This morning, you know, I and I've I've shared this before, where the Lord gives me. very little that he's going to speak through me on a Sunday morning. Uh, Oftentimes, I don't know until I step up here what he wants me to speak about. And this week, I knew we were in Acts because he said to stay in Acts. And I read that next part, and and when you read this part, it's, it's fairly benign, if you will. But immediately, it hit me what he was going to begin to talk about, and I thought, oh, Lord, are you serious? On a Sunday morning? You know, no, that's not Siri. I was just saying, are you serious? <laughs> on a Sunday morning, Lord? I, I get it on a Tuesday night, but on a Sunday morning? He said yes. And so this was yesterday. And so, this morning, I, trepidation isn't the right word, it's more when you're walking into something that you're responsible for and you have no idea what someone else is going to do because they're the real one doing the work. Does that make sense? No? Yes? No? Maybe? Because that's, that's how I came in this morning, knowing full well The Holy Spirit's going to speak through me what he wants to speak through me. And I have no control over that because I gave him control. And so during worship and then during the word that the Father spoke through Alexis, it was him reminding me that his grace covers everything. His grace covers what we don't have the grace to handle. Does that make sense? So I'm going to start with a couple of stories before we get into this, because it's going to give you a little bit of background. And if you've been a part of Ignition for a while, or been a part of us online, 
then this is no new news to you. But over the last few years, we've gone through shifts. You know, I explained from the very beginning, God did not allow us mentors. He did not allow us even a mentor church, even though we sought that. We went after that, and he kept shutting it down time after time. And he said, I will be your teacher. I will be your mentor. My word is all you need. And so that, that's kind of been where we've been at. And, and if you've been part of Ignition, you, you know that. He's taken us through different phases, right? He took us first. I remember when he first began to introduce us to the thought process that there was an enemy out there. Because if you grew up in church like I did, I grew up in church. And you always knew there was an enemy, but you really didn't think that there was a battlefield near you. Right? It's kind of like the United States. In our lifetime, none of us have experienced warfare on this soil. Right? So we kind of grow up thinking, well, yeah, war is something that happens over there. You know, if you want to see war, move to the Middle East. You know, if you want to see war, it happens over in Ukraine. It happens here. It never happens here in the States. And... That's a very dangerous thing to begin to develop because then you don't think that you're a part of that. Well, when you switch that over to spiritual situations, it's even more dangerous because oftentimes we put ourselves in a place where we're in our comfort zone, where we feel this peace that everything around us is pretty much in control. I mean, yeah, things go haywire, but for the most part, things are pretty much in control. And we're in our church groove that if all I do is worship, go and hear a good message, I'm good for the week. And if I need any more, I'll show up on Wednesday. Right? We get into this mode of not recognizing that there is an enemy that wants and seeks to destroy us. Then you hear from the pulpits in America that very thing. That if you don't focus on him, the enemy, he won't bother you. Or he can't affect you. And what God has been teaching us in ignition is his word. Trust his word. Because, see, you know, his word says nothing about that. Nothing to the effect that the enemy will not do anything to you if you just kind of ignore him or pretend he's not there. And, and I get it when, when people say, don't focus on him. And, and that was my argument with the Lord. It's like as you bring us into this new phase of warfare and understanding warfare, God, it, it seems like that's all you have me talking about. That, between that and relationship with Jesus Christ, it's like here, come, come on Sunday morning and it's going to be one of these two things or a mix of both, right? You have to understand that's been my argument with the Lord. And he said to me, 
this morning, just a few minutes ago, he said, they have got to get it. Because as I am building my voice, it must be heard throughout the world. Because see, the church, the bride, doesn't get it. This new phase that we've entered into is, you know, right when I got a handle on demonic warfare and understanding how the Gospels say that what we bind here on earth, on earth will be bound in heaven and what we loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, and he's given us authority as Alex said earlier, authority over scorpions and snakes, over these demonic spirits. Once I started to get a handle on that and feeling pretty good on the battlefield with that, it's like God said, okay, it's time for the next phase. It's time to move you into an understanding of a warfare that's been going on since the beginning that the church is even more unaware of than demonic spirits. And that's human spirits. That's witchcraft. Now, if you're like the normal person, the normal Christian, you hear that and you go, tune off, I'm out. Because that's so foreign to hear. And yet God has not allowed us here at Ignition to tune out. And for those who who are listening online or, or... uh, especially that are not with us all the time. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the ride. But see, without this phase of training, you can't be a warrior. You can't be on the battlefield and ignore a portion of the enemy. And And, you know, God always uses these phases to... Prove it out to me first. I love that. I love that. When, whenever something happens that's new, you have to believe me. First thing in my mind is, okay, Lord, you've got to show me this in your word. You've got to show me in your word because that's what I trust. It's your word that is my training source. So show me. And every time he'll take me to a scripture or he'll remind me of a scripture and he'll say, here, this is the foundation for that. But then he goes beyond that and he proves things in our natural lives. And, and I've shared this a few times, especially on Tuesday nights, and, uh, but We've been made aware, and, and many of you know this from even two weeks ago, we've been made aware that, that there are, for lack of a better term, there are, are, are these, these witches, whatever, I don't even know if that's what you call them, witches, warlocks. I don't know if I offend them, I'm sorry. But, uh, but these human, satanic worshipers that have been after us, that have been placing a target on ignition... And coming after us in different ways. And trust me, the first time I heard that, it was like, what? That's, that's just weird. That's just crazy. And then God shows me in Scripture, and then he begins to prove it out in things that are going on. Right? 
like over there. I command demonic spirits to not make any distraction right now in Jesus' name. I bind from this place human interference. Father, I release down warring angels to encircle this place, to encircle each one of us, and linking their arms allow nothing through. And Michael, I ask that you come and you remove the human spirit that is here to distract in Jesus' name. And yet, Father, your will be done. Your will be done, which I have prayed over and over and over again. If you want something done this morning, Father, we are at your beck and call. We are in your will. That's what we desire in Jesus' name. Some of this stuff you can't possibly make up. You cannot possibly make up. And I want to give you an example, even silly examples. But we have had this witch, this warlock, whatever you want to call it, at our house. Just pay attention to me. Yes, you're going. Just pay attention to me. Okay? Striking, isn't it? <laughs> Understand what the reason is for. Don't hold hands. You know why. You understand. Don't. I warn you. Understand that distraction is the key here. Distraction is the key. Because what happens when you are being trained, yeah, I know. What happens when you are being trained in school and you don't learn what you're being taught? You're sitting in the classroom and distraction takes you away from something you're supposed to learn. See, that is what the enemy wants to do. But I am here to tell you, you have a choice. You have a choice to listen. You have a choice to not allow distraction in. You have a choice to engage in the battle. You have a choice. Absolutely. You have a choice to learn. You have a choice to learn because God is calling a group of warriors. He is calling warriors that understand this battlefield. And that's why he has opened up this next level of understanding, this next level of training. For weeks now, we have had this, he's the high priest of this coven, whatever you want to call it. He comes to our house. We see him every day. And for a while, I had been asking, I know how to get rid of him, because the Lord told me that. That part I had been trained on. And it's real easy. Just start telling him how much Jesus loves him. It's so simple, because that's the last thing they want to hear, is Jesus dying on the cross, spending three days in the grave, conquering death, raising from the grave and sitting at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus, as the Son of God, became a man. He became a man, died for you and for me on the cross. 
See, they don't want to hear that. So I knew how to get rid of him. And I asked the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to keep him out. See, because this is a new level of warfare. If I thought demonic spirits were difficult to deal with, try a spirit that, not, that is not always bound by what happens in the court. See, remember, we're given free will. We're given free choice to choose God or not, to choose what we want to do or not. Just because we follow Christ does not mean that that is only with us. It is with you if you are a human, you have choice. So these people that have chosen to follow Satan have that same choice. See, you can defy God in his court. That's a hard word. That's a hard word. You can defy God in his court until his righteous judgment comes down upon you. So that's what he showed me is, is that, that they can come in by choice. Okay, Lord, so how do we keep them out? And he showed me, and if you want to learn that, come talk to me afterwards. That's not the purpose of this. So I started doing that, and, and wow, that works. Because we see him, we knew what he was doing, and so last night, Brooke, and it, it's, it, I'm so thankful to God, and God said that our gifts would help each other, but I'm so thankful that Brooke could see. She has this gift of sight, and she wasn't even at the house last night, but she texted me and she said, she said this high priest, he was there watching her, and she said, you know, she, she made him leave, and she said, he's coming to you, I think. Which makes sense, because he was there every night. So I asked her to be asking God to continue showing her what happened. So as he came, and, and I don't have the gift of sight, but they must be clumsy or something, <laughs> because there's always things that they do that let you recognize that they're there. And so I knew he was there, but he couldn't get in the house. And Brooke told me that she was seeing him looking in the windows but couldn't get in the house. And I had anointed every window, every door, every corner of my house with oil. And so he couldn't get in. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like anybody looking in my windows either. <laughs> Right? So, so I, when she, after she told me that he was there, she didn't know I did this. But I prayed and I asked for a binding of angels to come around the property with interlinked arms. And then I asked Michael to come and get rid of him, which I had done before. In fact, this high priest has two marks on his body, specifically because of times before. Well, I asked him to come. Now, I didn't see Michael come or anything else. And, and by the way, I did that in obedience because that's what the Lord told me to do. And so I asked him to come. And I know this sounds crazy. I get it. Lord, I'll be obedient. 
And so I prayed that Michael would come and get rid of him, and I said, leave a third mark on him. And so I didn't do anything else. I I think I was watching the Hallmark Channel or something. (laughs) So I went back to watching my Christmas movie. Yes, I am a guy. All right, I'm a guy that likes Hallmark Channel in Christmas time. Yes. So I went back to doing my thing. And I get this text from Brooke. And remember, I didn't tell her a thing. And she texts me back and she said, this is going to sound really strange, but did you tell Michael to come and do something? And I started laughing. Because, see, that was God proving to me truth. Can't make that up. You can't make that up. Now, what she told me later, because she wasn't home, when she got home, I asked her for the full picture of it. And what she said was, as soon as Michael came, he was so afraid he left. So I don't know if he got that third mark or not, because I don't know if I, I told Michael to hang out and protect, so I don't know if he chased him. <laughs> I don't know. He'll get his third mark. So these things you can't make up. And they're things that God uses to prove a situation out. This morning as I'm coming here, and and I already told you what I was dealing with in in this message that I knew God wanted to to speak. And so I'm I'm getting ready in our our bedroom and stuff. And I I don't know if you guys have these big crows where you are. Okay, we get them a lot, and I know, I know the enemy uses them for sight. Okay, but these are big. I mean, we, the crows are about like that tall, and we have hawks about that size, and they just beat up on the hawks. The, the hawks don't stay around when the crows are there. And, and all of a sudden, I just hear all this, rah, 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 rah. Like, what in the world is that? And I look out the window, and there's like 12, 15 of these big old things out in the, they weren't on the property. But right outside our property are these big trees, and they're just hanging out out there. And, and I just felt in my spirit immediately that, that they're just waiting for me to leave. And, and so, so when I got done getting ready and I walked outside, and I'm looking at them, and I walk outside and I just stand at the end of my deck, and, and I'm standing maybe... I guess maybe 40 yards, 50 yards from where these birds would be, something like that. And they're up in the trees, and, and they just immediately go quiet. And now I can't see if they're looking at me, but they're not moving, and so I figured they were looking at me. And, and I, I just looked at them, and I just began to pray, Lord, protect this house. Because, see, when I'm gone, I don't want anything being able to penetrate this house and do anything. I went before the courts and I said, Lord, they have no right. They have no authority. And when I, when I mean they, I am talking about these human spirits against us that rally demonic spirits against us. I said, they have no right. And remember, they're dead quiet, Okay. They're just watching me. Then I said, Lord, I release warring angels to surround this place and interlink arms. And it wasn't three seconds later that all of a sudden, wah, 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 and they just all up and fly off. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. 
So we're entering this next phase, and it's whenever we enter a phase, it's we we oftentimes experience something long before the Lord explains it to us or explains how to deal with it sometimes. But I want you to turn to the book of Acts and what Acts chapter eight. And today we are starting at verse twenty six. And, and by the way, I, I want to I point something else out here. Um, you don't need to turn there. But second, uh, second Corinthians 10, verse 4 says, For the weapons of, and many of you know this anyways, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish or destroy strongholds. Oftentimes we think of that internally. You know, that the Lord gives us the ability in the spirit to fight strongholds in our lives. That's, that's the way we read it, the way we understand it. It's not what it's saying. It's saying that an army built up with these weapons of warfare that are not of the flesh can begin to destroy strongholds Because their walk with the Lord can wield those weapons. See, that's what you are being risen up to do. That's what ignition is being risen up to do. That's why purity is the most important thing in your life. As Alex said when we did the, the communion... If there is not purity in your life, and what that means is known sin. If there is known sin in your life where you choose something over God and you know that you do that, then there's a block. There's a block in your relationship with Him. There is a block in your ability to wield these weapons. What He is raising up is a group of people that can wield these weapons that are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. It's like what I said a few weeks ago that was another tough thing to say, and the Lord wanted me to do it on Facebook Live, and, and I did, and I, and, and I prophesied His word that the Washington Monument will come down, physically. It will come down when this destroyer that is over this country is cast away, the result of that will be his strong tower, his stronghold, which is he showed us was this Washington Monument, will come down. I know that sounds crazy. I think I'm crazy. That's okay. I simply do what the Lord tells me, and when it happens, you won't think I'm so crazy. And that's awesome. However, it is God that destroys those strongholds. But do you know he doesn't do it just on his own? You ever wonder why? Why, God, if you can destroy these strongholds, which we know you can, why don't you do it? Why don't you just do it? Because he uses you and me. He uses people because it was through people that these strongholds were built in the first place. 
It was through one man sin entered into the world, and because of that sin, death entered into the world. So that's why Jesus had to come and become a man. To be able to pay for our sins, he had to be become a man. He had to become human. So that hasn't changed. When God breaks strongholds, He uses His people to do it. He needs people to recognize what His power is. He needs people to recognize that He wants them to be used. He needs people to recognize the battlefield. Do you recognize the battlefield? Now, in ignition, I'm preaching in the choir. You're on the battlefield. But see, this is a word for the bride. This is a word for the whole bride. And then we get into tactics of the enemy. Let's start at verse 26 in Acts. I'm just going to read through down to verse 40, then we'll come back to it. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, remember Philip was one of the deacons that was, uh, that was anointed. And then at this point... Remember that, uh, that Saul, who becomes Paul, but at this point he's Saul, he's ravaging the church. He's going after the church. He's imprisoning people. You know, that he's just going after these people that are Christians, so they scatter. And Philip scatters. Okay? Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said, or the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Okay, so I want you to recognize what's happening here. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to do something with a person he does not know this person. Okay, this also is not where he is. Right? He is gone from this place at this point, and the Holy Spirit says him, rise, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. <laughs> Philip at this time was in Samaria. I can't remember the name of it. It's in Samaria, but Somalia or something like that. I can't remember. It'll say it on the map here in a second. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, 
he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptizing him, or he baptized him. And verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. First of all, that would be freaky. I'm sorry, try and put yourself into the situation. You just get dunked underwater, and boom, he's gone. Okay. Verse 40, but Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Go ahead and put the, the map up for me. I want you to get an idea of what this is. Okay, first of all, <clears throat> when he was told to go, he was up in Samaria at Sebaste. Came down through Jerusalem, this desert road. He told, the, the Holy Spirit told him, go south to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. See where it says the desert road, okay? That's where he'll meet this eunuch. Now, typical of Scripture, it doesn't really throw into there the time, okay? I think this, we read this, we just read it in about three minutes, and, and we assume that it's that quick when this happens, okay? No, I think what, what happens here, he's on his way to Gaza, he meets them somewhere on the desert road, and they are together for hours. He's sharing the gospel with him. He's telling him about Jesus Christ, and then he baptizes him, and then Philip's gone. Okay, they're on their way to Gaza, and at some point in there, he baptizes him, and he's gone. It said the Spirit carried him. Where did he find himself? It says, Azotus. Right? Okay, if you look at a little scale down there, the 15 and 30 kilometer scale, he was moved miles from where he was. Miles. The reason I want to point this out is because this is something we have been experiencing as a church, these human spirits that are able to travel to us. How in the world, first of all, do they do that? And is that even scriptural? See, you have to remember, I've been through all this. I take that to the Lord and I say, Lord, you've got to show me. As soon as he began showing me this, and I had a faith that not only is it real, but it happens, and it happens on both sides, because it is an action that the Lord created through our spirits. Now, every time I go into the Bible, I see it. It's like crazy. It's like when you buy a blue car, all of a sudden you notice all these blue cars on the road. Right? Or, or you, you, you buy something that you like, or you get the... Anybody have the earbuds, the wireless earbuds? Okay, a few of us. As soon as I got those, I started to notice everybody had earbuds. Because you just, you notice them. 
Well, now, all of a sudden, when the Lord teaches me something, and, and I encourage you to the fact that He's going to do the same thing to you, but as He teaches me something, now, now I'm going through Kings, I'm going through 1st, 2nd Samuel, and, and, and man alive, it, it's happening all the time. All the time this stuff happens. And what the Lord is trying to say is, wake up, church. You've gotten into such a deceptive place, you don't even believe my word anymore. You separate it and you say, well, yeah, that's kind of Old Testament stuff. And, and Jesus changed all that. First of all, I, I encourage you to show me where it says that. Because it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His methods are the same. What changed is the law to grace. Praise God that it did. But see, the extraordinary thing is that the more we get into depth with relationship with Jesus Christ, the more I understand that the, the, the treasures of the Old Testament are so real and ripe for today. Because he is raising up this army. This army that needs to know what they're doing. That needs to have the very same tools that were intended for them in the first place. In demonic circles, this is called astral projection. Okay? Everybody's heard that. That word, that term. Okay? In these circles, I'll call it spirit travel. Same thing. It's the same thing. Whenever you see something happen and you question why, I want to encourage you to ask God to show you in His Word. Show me in your Word how this can even happen. Show me in your Word how this man <clears throat> can come and peer in my windows. And, and then when you recognize this stuff, it, this happened to me. As I recognize these things, I think back in my life and I recognize, wow, that's what that was. That's what that was. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I don't even know if I told my parents this. How old was I in Carlsbad? That was seventh grade, right? Sixth, seventh grade. And I was, I was home. I think my little sister was with me. I can't remember. I don't know if they trusted me to watch her or not. But I know I was home alone, and, and it, 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 it was early enough to get dark out. And, and our living room always kind of freaked me out anyways because it had this big old, now I was little then, but it felt like this huge window, like a big bay window, Okay. And that night, I didn't realize, but the curtains weren't drawn, and, and so it's just kind of like, oh, okay, i got to go close the curtains, all right? Well, there are these big bushes outside of the, outside of the window, and, and so I walk down there, and there's this man standing there, just right, like his nose up against the window, looking at me. It's a little freaky, you know? I, I just froze, and I now I didn't know any different, but I'm just looking at him like, okay, you're not supposed to be here, 
You need to get out of here. And in my seventh grade voice, you need to get out. You know, whatever. He wouldn't move. He wouldn't blink. He wouldn't do anything. And and now I I it wasn't that I didn't understand that there was an enemy and all that. And I I, I was you know I was saved. Um, actually fairly freshly saved I think because I got saved in Carlsbad. But uh, but he wouldn't go. So I thought okay fine. Well, I was a hunter. My dad had taught me how to hunt, and, and he and I would go hunting, and, uh, and we would hunt ducks and geese, and never got any, but, but I hunted them, okay? And so for Christmas, I had gotten a 12-gauge shotgun, and it was cut down to my size and everything else, and I thought, okay, fine, you don't want to go now. You'll go in a second. And so I ran upstairs, and I got my shotgun. Of course, I was too afraid to load it. It wasn't loaded. But I thought the sheer intimidation will make him leave. And, and so I get down there, and of course, I'm shaking. You think I shake now? I was shaking then, too. And I stood far enough from the window to where I wasn't too scared, but I showed him the gun, and I said, you get out of here now. And he didn't, didn't move, didn't flinch. He was still there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what to do now. You get out of here now. And I pointed it at him. And I'm thinking, you know, I got nowhere to go after this because I didn't put anything in there or anything. Not that I would even pull the trigger. But he just looked at me and he never took his eyes off me. And he smiled. And he turned around and walked off. That, for the... For my lifetime was just the weirdest thing. I thought, what creep would do that? <clears throat> you know, first of all, that he would know that I'm there alone, or I think my little sister might have been there, I don't remember. But that's just not normal, okay? That's just not normal. Well, it wasn't until I understood all this that I really understand what was going on back then. See, we can have things happen to us that we don't open our eyes to and we will never understand it until we seek the Lord's guidance. We have to seek relationship with Him to understanding what's going on. Because, see, He's just sitting at the front of the class saying, I'm just waiting for you to come take a seat. I'm just waiting for you to open my word and ask me. Do you... By the way, do you know that's what he commands us to do? We're not just supposed to open up his word, read a little bit. I'll get my, I'll get my five minutes in today, read his word. Whoo, it never returns void. I'm good. Wow, what a, it's not a waste because it never returns void. But you could do so much more by simply following one rule. He said, when you read my scripture, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak and to show. When you do that, it'll open up a whole new world to you. Because guess what? He does it. All of a sudden, he will show you things that didn't make sense before. And it's usually layer by layer, by layer. I've said this before. You, you can read a passage a thousand times and continue to get more out of it. Not that, oh, I learned that already. I, I can just kind of set that one aside, right? 
No, there's layer upon layer. We will never exhaust the layers of meaning in the Word of God. Because he said that his word is all we need. So it better have more than just what's on the surface. Otherwise, we can't draw close to him. So in reading this passage, you can read it and say, you know, that, there, there's so many layers here that that's so cool that, that the Lord thought it so important for this guy to hear the gospel. That's so awesome. What a, what a great story that he had Philip go down there and, and, and share the gospel with him and this guy got saved. and He probably took it back to Ethiopia and spread the gospel there. What an awesome story. And completely miss so much that God has here. I mean, recognizing the fact that, oh wow. Okay, so in one second, he's in the water. The next second, he's probably 50, 60 kilometers away. Okay, I'm missing something there. See, then you begin to dig. Father, show me. Open up your scripture and show me your truths. It's when you do that that he begins to show you gems, not just a story. See, because there's a reason that this person had to know what was going on. And I, I, I don't want to derail with this, but just, just for your sake, it's a really interesting study. See, if, if you look now today, even today, okay, some 20, almost 2,700 years later, 2,800 years later, Ethiopia believes that they have the Ark of the Covenant. Because in almost 700 B.C. it was taken and hidden. And Ethiopia believes that they have it. It's really interesting to, to, to study. Now they don't, sorry, because the Word of God says it's in heaven. However, what I do believe they have is I do believe they have the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's something that will be part, I believe, of Jesus' throne in the thousand-year reign of Christ. I don't want to derail here, but if you want to get into another layer, ask the Lord why this Ethiopian, why, did he, why was it so important for him to know who Jesus is that you would carry Philip there to do it? But what we're concentrating on today is the fact that Jesus is saying, what is church supposed to look like? You know, my daughter, I, I love my daughter. And, and forgive me, Yvonne, for saying this out loud, but tough. It's what you get for being a PK. She said, I think it was about two weeks ago, why can't we have a normal church? <laughs> part of me really feels for her because I get that you know in normal church you don't you, you actually can go to church and have expectation of how it's going to go and you know we're going to sing four or five songs you know where I used to be it was like okay we, we will be 20 minutes in worship we'll do this we'll do that we have a schedule boom boom we're eating by 1230 is that normal church Sadly, it is. 
Is that what God wants for church to be? No. No. See, we don't have an idea of what church is supposed to be like because we don't dig in the Scripture and say, whatever you want, Father. If it, if it goes against my paradigms, I'm willing for you to show me. Just prove it to me. That's all I ask. Just prove it to me. Why do you think that these things are happening here? Some would say because we're playing around with them. You poke the bear, the bear is going to growl. Let me tell you something. The bear's there poking you, whether you think it is or not. The truth of the matter is, from the inception of ignition, from the beginning of who we are, the group of people said, Lord, whatever you want. I remember praying probably two years or so, two or three years before Ignition ever started, even as a college ministry, I remember praying, reading through the book of Acts and saying, Lord, I don't see this church. I want this church. I want to be part of this church. I don't see a church where in a moment you can do your will and change Something or change a life. No, see, in church today, we set up these programs and we design these marketing concepts to elicit emotion. And by the way, it works. It works to bring people to a, a place perhaps of, of pushing something aside to, to receiving maybe who Jesus is. Evangelism has been great in the church. I'll give you an example. Nigeria. I think there are only 60 million people in Nigeria. I'm pretty sure. 50, 60 million, is it less than that? It's more than that? Like a lot more than that? Like how many? 120 million. I mean, that, no, that's totally fine. It's because it really doesn't matter. In all of Nigeria, now get this, in all of Nigeria, 120 million people, 186, do I hear 200? This is an auction, okay. 186 million people. The, the story is still the same. 186 million people in the whole country, okay? One evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, over the last 10 years, has seen over 11 million come to know the Lord. 11 million. In one service alone, he had, I think it was 3 million, came to know the Lord in one service. I didn't even know you could get that many people together. But I've seen video of it. There were four, almost 4.5 million people at this service. 4.5 million people. I mean, that, that's, that's just mind-blowing. I didn't believe it. Watch the videos. Now, these are not just people that, okay, raise your hand if you got saved. Raise your hand and, uh, okay, three million. <laughs> these weren't estimates. These were people that filled out cards. So, in ten years, 11 million people have accepted Jesus Christ just through that one evangelist. That doesn't count everybody else. 
That's awesome, right? Praise God, man. Reinhard Bonnke is doing his job. Oh, but the church is not. See, I don't look at that as a victory. It's a victory for them being saved, but I look at that as a defeat. Because if you had 11 million people accept the Lord and we did our jobs as the church, then they would be discipled. They would be then productive in the bride of Christ. And all 186 million would have been evangelized. Do you see what I'm saying? The church has accepted mediocrity because it feels good. Because we got great music. Because we can keep our sermons to, I don't know, 25 minutes. I don't know what the average is out there. Boy, we kind of go over that a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. You know, when you put it in a box, it's going to stay in a box. But Jesus does not want his bride in a box. And so he is looking for, and I'm not saying we're the only one. I believe there is a remnant globally that will say, whatever, God. Whatever. My paradigm is, whatever. Whatever you want. All I ask is that you prove it in your word. But there is nothing I am not willing to do with you, for you, or say about you. I just need to know it's you. That would seem really simple to say in your life. But I could tell you from experience, when you say that in your life, it's going to come with great cost. Jesus promised it. He said, if you want to be one of my disciples. Now understand, he's not saying, if you just want to go to heaven. Right? He's saying, if you want to be one of my disciples. Wow, that's a different story. If you want to be one of my warriors. You've got to go through boot camp. You've got to go through training. You've got to understand how to wield this word that I give. Because there's power in the word. But you know what? There's no power if you don't know the Word. There's no power if you don't know how to wield the Word. There's no power. I couldn't get these things off my property if I didn't know that I had the authority to call down angelic spirits to come and fight with me. If I didn't know that I could go before the throne of God, which is a court, he is a righteous judge, and I can complain about the enemy doing something that he has no right to do. If you had people come and move into your house, you know, don't mind us, we're just going to take the fourth bedroom over here. You know, we'll bring in our own food, whatever. That'd bother you, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, it would bother me. That's crazy. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't put up with that. But do you understand that's what the enemy does every day in your life? And just because you can't see him, you don't recognize that that's what it is. But the first thing he does is he lays this blanket of deception down so you don't recognize it. And that's how he gets away with it. That's how he keeps you quiet. But you don't have to be. Now, if you've known me for any amount of time, 
you've known that I have never looked to grow this church. God has kept us here the way we are for a very specific purpose in training. And I will never market to try to grow this church. I will do simply what the Lord wants to do. And I preface that in order to say this. If you're not supposed to be a part of it, I love you, but I don't want you here. It's to your demise. Because, see, if you're unwilling to say, Lord, I trust you and whatever, I won't, I won't set up my own boundaries. I'll trust you in whatever. Then you put yourself at risk. Because if you're a part of ignition, you are being led onto the battlefield and you don't have your armor. You don't have what you, what you can wield as a weapon. So I encourage you to know whether you're called here or not. And it's not about being friends. And I got friends that aren't here. Friendship never never stops, or it shouldn't. It's more about this calling. See, God showed me that we're going through a second sifting. And that second sifting, what it means by that is that there are going to be things coming against us that sift our understanding of what's going on. It's kind of like when Gabriel was told to go after the enemy. He was told to go after the enemy, and he had 30,000 people, and I, I, if I recall, I think the enemy had 130,000 or something like that, or more. And he's like, how in the world would, do we do this? What was God's response? Well, first of all, you got way too many people. <laughs> what? He said, I want you to tell Israel that anybody that is afraid, go ahead and leave. And boom, 20,000 people leave. It's like, Lord, look what you're doing to me. This is, we're kind of going the opposite direction. And he said, well, we're not done there. Right? Then, then after that, then there was the next phase. And when they got down to it, then it was... The last phase was, I want you to bring everybody to the brook and I, I want you to have them drink water. And those who le lean all the way down and lap up, put in one side. And those who lift up their hand to their mouth, put in another group. I can just imagine. I could just imagine Gideon watching. Because I think he knew. I think he knew that God was separating out those who would pay attention. He's probably sitting there, come on, come on, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. Out of 10,000, there were 300, 300, 300 that ended up qualifying. Why? Because they were great warriors? No. I, I'm sure out of that 30,000, there were even greater warriors, perhaps. But that 300 was who God called, but said yes. See, it takes two things. You can't just be called and expect God's going to do everything in your life. You have to give Him your yes. You have to say yes. 
300 of them said yes. And what was beautiful about it is he sent them up to the battlefield and they never had to fight. Right? They, they had these, these torches where they put the bags over them and all of a sudden the Lord said, break them and break them. And, and the, I think it was the Syrian army, they, they, the army, they, they just got all confused and started killing each other. That's awesome. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Read the Bible and understand the Bible. You can't make that up. And then when you start seeing it happen in your own life or your own church, you can't make it up. But what is church supposed to look like to you? See, he wants you all in. If you're being called to this, you've got to be all in. doesn't mean we all have to be at the same place spiritually. It's not that we all have to have the same walk, the same closeness with God. First of all, that would never even happen. Just one thing has to be the same. That you say yes. That you say yes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I say yes. Understanding this new level of warfare with the witchcraft and them traveling this spirit travel and, and all this stuff, uh, Lord, that confuses me. I don't understand it, but I give you my yes and I ask you to prove it. Prove it in your word because I trust your word. I can tell you that is the process that I went through. And then not only does he prove it in his word, but he proves it in your own life. See, because his end goal is closeness with you. His end goal is relationship with you. His end goal is to build that up so beautiful that the bride sees that they're missing something. Do you know that's what's going to bring Jesus Christ back for his second coming is when Israel finally sees him as the Messiah and cries out for him and says, we want you. It's no different with the church, with his bride. He wants his bride to say, we want you. We love you and we give you our yes no matter what. But it has to start somewhere. And it's starting with this remnant of people that are willing to say yes no matter what. That are willing to give him their lives no matter the fight. No matter what comes up against them. Are you that person? It's very simple. Jesus loves you so much. And if you say yes, he will give you everything you need. There's no fear in yes to him. You may feel fear, but fear is a spirit tell to leave. Fear is not your own. You could command fear. Ask any warrior on the battlefield. You could command fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and praise you, and we thank you for who you are. God, you are an amazing, amazing God. And we are so thankful that you don't just rule from your seat of judgment, but you rule in this place of love. So, Father, as we look into our hearts this morning, 
I pray that you bring us to a place of intimate decisions with you. We give you our yes. Ignition gives you their yes. Individuals can make up their own mind, but ignition gives you their yes. And Father, we ask that you do through us whatever you want to. We will not be distracted. We will not be turned away. You have given me a heart for this brotherhood, these Satan worshipers that have chosen the opposite. You've given me a heart for them. Three of them have come to know you. And you've told me that many, many more will. You took me in proving that out. You took me to your scripture in Revelation 2 that said I would prefer hot or cold, not lukewarm. See, God, I know that you're going to do an amazing, amazing thing on this earth with your bride. And we just simply ask to be a part of it and to do in us what you will. So I pray for each person here this morning that you bring them, and and all those online as well, Father, that you bring them to a place where they have that choice. Give us confidence in you to recognize that if we want to know what church is supposed to look like, it's supposed to look like the book of Acts. It's supposed to look like something where you're in control and not us. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.